nominations were announced today boy oh gee oh golly gosh i haven't looked at them so i'm gonna run through them real quick and we're gonna see what we think okay just uh, like the top liners right because they do a lot of like tv awards and stuff yeah, I, don't, I don't care about tv okay good. this is a movie podcast yeah i know but i'm just you're if you're running through the golden globe nominations i'm just clarifying Called what's in the box office not what's in the boob tube okay <laughs> why did they call it that I because of early TV little... shows had a lot of breasts featured. Oh, I thought that Rob was going to say there's very little nudity in television. Oh yeah, I mean they were covered, but just a lot of women. A lot of dicks also. Why wasn't it called the 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 doesn't the rhyme? Dick pick. Ooh, it could have been <laughs> called television dick pics. I I, th- I think that would have uh, yeah. Now knowing of course, gone poorly. That the uh, the Golden Globes have nothing to do with Oscar precursors. Totally different voting body. Really doesn't mean anything. It's good exposure for the films. Uh huh. Even now with the Golden Globes, I guess back they're on CBS this year. I don't <laughs> Better know. than ever. All right. So original score. Poor things. We haven't seen it. Oppenheimer. It's a. It's good. It's fine. It's, uh, it's very good. The the uh, the score. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, the Boy and the Heron. We haven't seen it. The Zone of Interest. We haven't seen it. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Pretty good. And Killers of Flower Moon. Uh, very, very good. Yes. Very good, very good score. Uh, original song. Addicted to Romance. Bruce Springsteen from She Came to Me. Which is actually clicking on it. A movie I have heard of. Okay. Uh, Rebecca Miller. Uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Miller, as you, of course, would know. Noah did Maggie's Plan. The Privatized Pivoli. She's also married to... Um, Dale Day-Lewis. Okay. Good for her. Romantic comedy starring Peter Dinklage and Marissa Tomei. All right. Dance the Night uh, from Barbie. Okay. I'm Just Ken from Barbie. Peaches from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, Road to Freedom from Rustin. And What Was I Made For from Barbie. Okay. It's a lot of a lot of Barbie songs. Barbie, but as I would assume would have. Well, I don't know. The music category is fucking nuts. Uh, best screenplay: Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, Barbie, Tony McNamara, Poor Things, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, Eric Roth, and Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon, Celine Song, Past Lives, and cool nomination: Justine Trite and Arthur Harry, Anatomy of a Fall. Okay, very that cool. is cool. Also, that's a very good movie. Good Past Lives notice there. I yeah, like that that's getting big play. Ooh, speaking of big play, excuse me. Best director: Bradley Cooper, Maestro, Greta Gerwig, Barbie. Yurgos Lanthimos, Poor Things, uh, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese, Kills the Flower Moon, and Celine Song, Past Lives. We love to see it. Let's go, Oscar. Absolutely. Best performance by an a- best performance in listed in an actor. No, but they do do um, best supporting, especially SAG is like outstanding supporting performance in a motion picture. Yeah. Anyway, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Emily Blunt, Oppenheimer. Okay. Uh, that's interesting because they don't divide these by genre. So, okay. Danielle Brooks, The Color Purple. Jodie Foster, Nyad. Julianne Moore, May, December. Rosamund Pike, Saltburn, and Divine Joy, Randolph, The Holdovers. Okay. That's a that's a great nomination. I expected, expected one. 
<clears throat> Supporting actor, Willem Dafoe, Poor Things. Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr., Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling, Barbie. Uh, weird saying Ryan Gosling and then Barbie because he played Ken. Yeah. Uh, Charles Melton, May, December. And Mark Ruffalo, Poor Things. Uh, a lot of Poor Things love coming. We'll get some more here. Best performance in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Uh, Fantasia Barino, The Color Purple. Jennifer Lawrence, No Hard Feelings. Uh, Natalie Portman, May, December. That uh, Alma uh, Poisty for a film called Fallen Leaves. Okay. Boy, they must have. Oh, won the jury prize at Palm. Okay, fine. Oh, it's a movie that takes place in a theater. All right, great. I know that. Margot Robbie, Barbie, and Emma Stone, Poor Things. We'll talk with Joe. I do have a discussion point about May, December, and the camp article Joe put, tweeted about it recently. Okay. So I feel like it's a good time to talk about it. But it's nominated in comedy. Yeah, that's... <laughs> uh, best performance in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Nicolas Cage, Dream Scenario. Timothy Chalamet, Wonka. Matt Damon, Air. That's a cool nom. Paul Giamatti, The Holdovers, also airs not a comedy. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Bo is Afraid, not a comedy. And Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction. Air is not a comedy, but it like it is light. Yeah, I just I'm sick of them doing that though. It is it is a drama, and they can say light all they want. Yeah, but Bo is Afraid might be a comedy. You know, else is not really a comedy. Dream scenario. Comedies came out this year. Not yeah. a lot of them. Theater Camp, great comedy. Joyride, great comedy. Yeah, they, they should just change it to light and heavy. Those those are those are the Best two options. Performance in a light movie. I don't, it's not bad. Uh, Barbie's comedy. That's fine. Yeah. Are you there? Got it to be Margaret. Uh, no. no I don't think so. It's light. I agree, I agree. You hurt my feelings. Yeah, that's a yeah. comedy. Theater camp, um, how to blow up a pipeline, <laughs> bottoms, uh, joyride, uh, TV Ninja Turtles. That's comedy. Yeah, they've also got to stretch it to still get in like the awards contenders. Also, the musicals, you know, Wonka and the Color Purple. Sure, but just like no, like holdovers. Sure, I, yeah, yeah, that was that was funny. I uh, like Joyride's just not going to be part of the award season and if they're going to be out here nominating that for one of Theater their best camp pictures uh, no i don't think so all right well got notice of the independent spirit awards those don't count uh, oh. <laughs> they're not i mean they're Excuse they're me. they're fun but they those don't count towards like oh well if that got nominated for an independent spirit award it's gaining momentum towards other things they just exist in their own little bubble of picking good movies best performance in a motion picture Drama, right? Because I watch Happy Ending. Indeed. Uh, actress Annette Bening, Nyad. Boy, are we really getting a Nyad thing? Uh, Lily Gladstone, Killers of Flower Moon. Nyad feels exactly like a Golden Globe nominee, and that's it. You okay. Know what I mean? Yeah. The kind of like early buzz on it was like, "Ooh, it's Annette Bening and Jodie Foster really trying for it," and then it fizzled out. But the Golden Globes didn't get the memo. All right. Lily Gladstone kills a flower moon. Sandra Huller, Anatomy of a Fall. I love the Anatomy of the Fall notices. Yeah. Greta Lee, Past Lives. Love it. Carrie Mulligan, Maestro. And oh, Kylie Spanny, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Priscilla. That's okay. Good, good for her. Actor in a drama. Bradley Cooper, Maestro. Leonardo DiCaprio, Kills of Flower Moon. Colvin Domingo, Rustin. Barry Keoghan. 
uh, Saltburn. His character name is Oliver Quick. Um, yeah, it is. Killian Murphy, uh, Oppenheimer, and Andrew Scott, all of us strangers. Very excited to see all of us strangers. Definitely talk about, I don't know if they had that category last year. I'll find out. Non, uh, sorry, non-English language film. Best non-English language film. Anatomy of a Fall, Fallen Leaves, uh, Low Capitano, Past Lives, Society of the Snow, and The Zone of Interest. Interesting to note, uh, Past Lives, a lot of English. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty... Uh, but yeah. I ain't mad at it. Any sure, it's a, they get it's, it? a, it's a very good movie. Animated film, The Boy and the Heron, uh, Elemental, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Super Mario Brothers movie, Suzanne and Wish. I don't uh, know what Suzanne is. I'm sorry, Suzum. I, I I still don't know what that is. Uh, I've heard of it, but I, it's a anim, it's an anime film. Okay. Or a coming of age animated movie. I don't know. Um, musical or comedy, much picture. Air, American fiction, Barbie, The Holdovers, May December, and Poor Things. Uh, drama. Anatomy of a Fall, Killers of Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, and The Zone of Interest. Good day for The Zone of Interest, uh, Past Lives, and Anatomy of the Fall, I have to say. Uh, and then finally, Noah, this is a... I'm checking to see if this is a new category. Okay. Yes, it is. Oh, boy. There's also a category, a new category called Best Performance in a Stand-Up Comedy. What? Best Stand-Up comedian best performance in stand-up comedy on television okay that <laughs> Don't worry about sounds it. like it's for the boob tube <laughs> uh for the dick dick click okay the sure clicker. yeah that, that's what you, that's that's the name of the remote which is a phallic shape so thank you all right cinematic and box office achievement your nominees are <sighs> whatever okay <laughs> barbie Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Uh-huh. John Wick. Oh, I'm sorry. So focus on that. Famously, a... I uh, flop. Yeah, box office disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Wick, Chapter 4. That's the Tom Cruise effect. Oppenheimer, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the Super Mario Brothers movie, and Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour. Trying to get that Taylor Swift invite. How do you... How do you not just give that award to the movie that made the most money? That's why. That's why it's cinematic and box office achievements. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. I feel like this is Barbie in a walk. Yeah, I mean, it's of course, of course, it's Barbie. Like the, this, this year in particular, I, I have to imagine there's, there's not even a, a conversation. There's never been a conversation. Anyway, the, the uh, Golden Globes are out. Isn't that nice? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 255th episode of What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. Each week, we sit down and pour over this weekend's box office returns and tell you what we think they mean for the industry at large. I am your host, Brian. And I am your host, Noah. Uh, here we are, Noah. That was a long intro. Top five. All right. Well, uh, of course, the boar. The, uh, the boar. <laughs> the boar oh, the and the hayon. Uh, the boy and the heron came out, uh, latest film from Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, not the last apparently no well i mean his past like three movies have been his retirement movie you don't think they were like you couldn't have fucking waited until like right after opening weekend to do that because maybe we could have gotten a couple more mil out of this thing uh no i mean they 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 cannot constrain this man he is he is a force unto himself Uh, i have ranked my top five miyazaki movies wow Uh, hard to do 
Yeah, it. it I mean, for me, have I seen five? Sure, I think you've seen five. Uh, let's Bearded see. Away. Yes, you've seen that. My neighbor Totoro. Yeah. The uh, Grave of the Fireflies. That is actually not a Miyazaki movie. That's a Studio Ghibli movie, but really it was directed by somebody it. else. I really needed to count it. <laughs> uh, what's the one that we? Princess Mononoke. Yeah. So you're at three. That uh, might be it. Have you seen Have you seen Ponyo? No. Okay. I haven't seen. I don't think I've. I might have seen House Moving Castle when, like, on video after it came out. I don't. Sure. Know. Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. No. Uh, the Wind Rises. Uh-uh. Uh, Porco Rosso. No. Uh, no. I think probably. I think probably I think, not. I think then. It's three. Yeah. Right, uh, Totoro. Spirited Away. Princess Mon. Okay. But they're all great. Okay. Yeah. Totoro just is like my first love of his. Sure. Uh, and we will find that those movies are in the uh, the masterpiece tier of my top five list. Number five for me is The Wind Rises, mm. uh, which is a... Mike mm, feels too high. Really? Uh, it's, well, okay. yeah. Maybe you got to like gotta crane your neck yeah. for a while. I uh, Yeah, The Wind Rises was really surprising to me when I saw it in that it's like... This is this is one of those like it's it's just like an adult drama except it's animated. Okay. Uh, and like it May December. Well, it's a comedy. Uh, it's like um, Anatomy of a Fall. I, I mean, it's it's like it's like Oppenheimer kind of. It's Whoa. this is I I believe it's based on the life of a real guy. It's mm-hmm. like about a, an aerospace engineer. I'm choosing not to have a comment here about how. Oppenheimer, my opinion of Oppenheimer, and I was out of respect for you. Sure, I yeah, and that's that's all that's good because what I said had nothing to do with Oppenheimer being a good movie, just that it's a movie, it's a drama about a dude. No, but what I would have said was, um, you know, like, uh, oh, so disappointed or some shit. Like okay, that. yeah, sure. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and you know, you go into the latest Miyazaki movie and you're expecting fantastical creatures and uh, and magic and whimsy. Uh, and you you get those. I mean, you get you get whimsy. Instead, but, you're left with thematic elements. Yeah, it's just it's a story of a man <laughs> and his situations. life uh, and how he likes planes, and it's really cool. Uh, and I I want to revisit it. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it really it really caught me off guard uh, when I saw it. It was just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, number four, the exact opposite of that, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, mm. a. Uh, a movie that is tremendously whimsical and fantastical about a uh, a young witch who do you love me go, who love yeah me? who is the the star of a drake song because as uh, i see i'm choosing in this moment to not disparage drake that as a as an exchange that would bother me i i wouldn't have like the the head tilt that you would if i fucked on uh, oppenheimer just okay like, uh it would have really gone to you Sure, I'll I'll leave, I'll leave it alone anyway. I uh, Another really interesting uh, fun thing about Kiki's Delivery Service is that it doesn't have a tremendous amount of like antagonizing plot. I uh, she's a she's a young witch who reaches like the age of adulthood and at that point you have to set out on your own and basically get a job. And so, and she does. She she becomes a delivery girl There's with her song about flying around. A job. Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought I thought you had it queued up. Uh, no, I just thought of it just now. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's a it's a really really interesting like oh, yeah. low stakes thing. She doesn't. 
Okay. The uh, the offspring, Why of course. I'm not I'm not sure how much. The, yeah, what is the? Uh, I won't pay. I won't pay no away. Nah, nah, why don't you get a job? And that's what Kiki does. Yeah, Did yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, it's there's not a, there's not a whole thing about her like fighting the evil witch or yeah. having to save the world. Uh, I mean, she does perform some heroics. She does save the world. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about the world, but just like that, that's not that's not what it's about. It's just about her like setting out on her own and living her life. Uh, and it's surprisingly uh, surprisingly low key and kind of nuanced for a movie much more geared towards children uh, into the, uh, the three masterpieces. Uh, My neighbor Totoro is number three for me. Uh, just the most delightful movie ever made. Uh, his, his ability to make something that is simultaneously like primarily for people that are five years old, mm-hmm. uh, but is also like interesting and dynamic and thoughtful in a way that is compelling to everyone. It's not, it's not the kind of animated movie where like, yeah, you know, this is for kids, but also we have like, we make allusions to boobs that the kids won't get so that like, so that there's something for the adults too. Uh, It's just like about things that are so universal that young children will get it. And they'll also like the big huggable Totoro bear. Uh, But then you bear, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's incredible. That's that's also something that is fun for the whole family. There's not an age where you you're too old to appreciate how cute Totoro is, uh, and it's uh, it's it'll never get old. Uh, famously, the accompanying release to Grave of the Fireflies, uh, because that is among the most depressing movies you'll ever watch. It is. It's very sad. And you need a you need a salve, and Totoro is a salve. Uh, Princess Mononoke comes in at number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, a real, there's a real, a real through line of these movies of, of just like nuance and interesting deep plots that aren't just about the hero versus the villain. Mm. Uh, And that's, it's like huge in Princess Mononoke. There's like three factions going against each other. None of whom are particularly good or evil, but some of whom are mistreating the environment in a way that they shouldn't. Uh, and also, there's a young woman that wi- rides a giant wolf into battle, yep. uh, and that's that's just fucking rules. Uh, Princess Mononoke rules. In addition to being a movie that is, a, you know, a very thoughtful take on the way we treat our planet, uh, it's cool as hell. And number one is Spirited Away, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Just the the embodiment of capturing uh capturing magic and and whimsy and like sort of deep emotional feelings and uh reali- realizing who you are it's like it's a it's a classic coming of age thing uh and there's there's witches and there's trains and there's a giant bathhouse that uh she has to work in <laughs> it's full of little soot sprites and uh the the co- the combination in this movie as as in all of them of of just beauty and wonder and amazing things and also just like really really deeply moving themes going on is uh, it really really gets me going you know uh, yeah. so spirited away number one I we have already named all the Miyazaki movies you've seen so I'll go into three of them our actual top five soon to be four. 
as we will be seeing uh, the boy and the heron, the boy and the heron, along with most of America, topped the charts this week. Was followed by the Hunger Bird, the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Godzilla minus one, <laughs> Trolls Hunger, Band Together, the Hunger Birds. <laughs> uh, those held two through four, and the number five falling from number one was Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. But The Boy and the Heron made $12.9 million in its opening weekend. How does that make you feel? I That makes me feel really good. Looking at that. I don't think I've, like, past several Miyazaki releases, like The Wind Rises, I don't believe was challenging for the number one spot at the box office when it came out, you know? The first foreign original animated film ever to reach number one at the box office. That just fucking rules. That's cool as hell. Opening weekend. $12.8 million. It's uh, the biggest uh, three-day ever for an original animated film, anime film, um, beating The Secret World of, Ari- of Arietti, which is also a Ghibli. That had 6.4. Number six biggest three-day ever for any anime, and of course the only original anime in the top of openings in America. Usually you need uh, fan bases to come out here, and uh, this is no different. This one did. Miyazaki sold it. A slow weekend sold it. The reviews sold it, and uh, it's really fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a good number. It's not going to hold. Uh, I think Wonka's about to blow up at the box office. I also think Wonka's about to blow, but... <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I am uh, very serious. I think Wonka's about to explode here. Okay. And, um, uh like I'm thinking, like we could see like a forty plus. Okay, all right. I was, um, I was, I was gonna ask, what is, what is Wonka blowing mean to you? Uh, forty plus, close to it, fifty plus. Okay, like, I really think we're gonna hit something big. All right, that's it that could be the film of the winter. That that's that's Especially, good, and I'm glad you like that. Like modulates my expectations a little bit because when you said like Wonka could be like fucking, well, I was thinking like seventy million dollars. Well, I, I mean, if I asked you in June what uh, you know Chalamet's Wonka is gonna open to, what would yeah. you say? I mean, like he's probably like twenty to thirty somewhere in. Wow. Okay. Really, really putting a star meter up there. I just don't think like Wonka's like that big of a property. Okay. Nor is he a sellable star to families, especially. Sure. Not yet. Um, and uh, like the supporting act, like you know, he's been like. I love Keegan Michael Key as much as the next Key and Peel fan, but that's like who he's been doing his interviews with. So it's not like we're batting heavy in the supporting lineup. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, I think that uh, anything, just, they couldn't convince Hugh Grant to go on that tour. So I think like anything like twenty five and over is like a huge win. I think anything forty and over is a smash. I think that if it does do what I think it's going to do next week, that it's going to be the movie of the holiday season, especially with Aquaman trending way down. Okay. It has a shot of being the you know, uh, like I, I'm not saying it yet, but don't be surprised if we get like a close to Johnny Depp's 200 million with, if it opens to 50 and has Christmas legs and uh-huh. Aquaman flops, what else is there to see? This Flop is color Aquaman. purple, which I do think could also do well, but I'm just, yeah, I'm, it could be a thing. Um, and that, and then Warner Brothers is like, ah, so it's a good thing we moved Dune to. Till all these people saw Wonka and were like, yeah. we liked him with the Chalamet. Um, anywho, uh, so I don't know if this is going to hold, but it's a great start and it'll always have the number one opening uh, on its uh, list of accolades. So, yeah, really, it's really, really well done. It's very exciting. And Miyazaki deserves it. Uh, 
Number two was the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Bird Songs and Snakes. Oh, the Buster and, and Scrubs. Uh, that made nine point two million, a thirty four point four percent drop. It's up to one hundred thirty five and a half. Um, yeah, one hundred forty five and a half. Yeah, it's going to get to around one sixty. I think this has really been helped by some disappointing Thanksgiving releases. I think it's a hit, and I think they should go forward with another property, if not just a sequel in that universe. Yeah, I, uh, I'd, I'd like, I'd like another property. You uh, sit on Thanksgiving, you get someone decent, you know, like a not Jacob Alordi, but like someone who's like in with the kids, like a you know a Zegler equivalent. Sure. And um, Charles you know, Melton. Sure. <laughs> I I also just think that this is like you you plant it on Thanksgiving, and because of the success, it's looked at as like oh we have to stay away. The Hunger Games is a thing. Right. I, I think which I'm just saying, I think there's a chance it could outgross this. Yeah. General. Yeah, and that's cool. And there's a lot of opportunities for Hunger Games one shots, uh, and I'd I'd like them to keep doing that. Uh, no, I I don't need further pursuits of villain villain origin stories. Yeah, which is a a genre that I just like. I don't like. I'm. I don't like it because we know how it ends. Yeah, and it's. We know how his story ends. We know he's a monster. It's not surprising the end of the movie. It's 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 also just like not it's so often not compelling like no matter how well made the joker was and is it the joker or just joker it's just joker right joker yeah uh matter how well made joker was and i do think for as much as i'm like not that fond of it it was very well made i look good i just like i i don't care because i know who the joker is and there's no part of me that's like what has what has brought him to this point. So I don't care. It's not like, it's not like a tragedy of like, Oh, I get to know this man. And then, Oh no, he succumbs to evil. It's like, yeah, he turns into the Joker. I don't give a shit. All right. This used to happen in movies as a little kitschy shit, you know, Raider, um, last crusade opens with young Indiana Jones. Yeah. And we like, see him like getting the hat and the whip or whatever, like who he get the inspiration from. Yeah. And it's like a little thing, and we all chuckle at it. And then they and do every, a movie. And everyone moves on. Yeah. yeah. It's not the whole movie is like, you know, and that's that's kind of where the parts of Solo that don't work is the little... Solo is almost like a uh, a throwback to that, but it took it, it, I think people took those parts a little too seriously. I think the movie yeah. did too. But my point is that the movie wasn't leading up to like him finally going like, I am Han Solo, you know? They do the name thing, but then around it, it's just a fun space adventure. But they do have, like, our shoehorning in this thing that, you know, 20 years ago, those would all be jokes. Yeah. Remember when Amelia Clark was in that movie? Yeah, she was set up to be a villain. And then <laughs> she left. Everyone She's, left. like, flew away. I uh, love her. He still yeah. wants to do it. Godzilla Minus One came in at number three. Uh, they made eight and a half million. That was a 24.8% drop. That was up to $25.5 million. Uh, Luis Fernando, uh, on Twitter, who's a terrific, um, box office pundit, I'll call. He's very good with stats. He's very good. Uh, noted that this is the first time two international productions hit the top three in the same weekend. That's very interesting. All from Japan. Yeah. No, it's a great number. They got the, they got the juice over there. This is supposed to be a one week thing. No, yeah, just Godzilla. like a limited, yeah, not like a fathom of now event. Now they're but, expanding it, and we could get to over 
45, 50 million dollars here. Yeah. It's huge. Huge. Yeah, this is, this is incredibly cool. Uh, yeah. I, I wonder if they're they're, they're going to make a direct sequel to this. They're just going to do like another big Godzilla in a few years and be like from the people that brought Godzilla minus one. I would think they do a sequel. Is it Godzilla minus two? No, let's call it something else. <laughs> I, I still never looked up what the title means. Why is it called that? I'll look it up now. Uh, What's the next one? Sure, the next one is Trolls Band Together, also a strong drop. Uh, that made $6 million this weekend, a 22.2% drop, mm-hmm. and that is up to 82.9 altogether. 82.9, yeah, it's not going to get to the 100 like we thought, but it is leveling out. Wonka's going to hit it hard here, but uh, still solid. it. What's it at worldwide? Uh, worldwide, it is at... It's hard to click on things. 173.9. Um. That's not great, but I don't know what the budget was. I imagine it's cheap because they do it cheap now over there at DreamWorks. So, yeah, if you want to do a third one, sure. Um, Isn't this the third one? Or a fourth one. Yeah, it is. Okay. If you want to do another one, sure. I just, uh, it really sucks. It really, really sucks that it ran into the acting strike. Because, again, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, the whole NSYNC reunion should have been on every show. Yeah. They should have performed that song everywhere. And they couldn't. And that's, I think, what really hurt it. And so, you know. What movie-going calamity will befall Trolls 4? <laughs> that's a good question. What happened the, the first friend. time the first one came out? It was 2017, so it wasn't the election. No, I think um, I think the first one was fine. And then, and then yeah, the, the pandemic. The, the, studio, the studio did something bad. And they cursed the, the franchise. Strike. Uh, I think that what happens without being too morbid, <laughs> sure, is Anna Kendrick gets hit by a, a car. No, no, there's a popcorn shortage. <laughs> okay, kids Ooh. love their popcorn. Yeah, theaters don't know what to do. It's real tough out there. That's interesting. That, that would be that would be a new one. All right. So, uh, by the way, um, the title refers to. It is to indicate that Japan was at zero, the country's lowest point after World War II. And another one says, well, title refers to a devastated country still recovering from the destruction of a nuclear bomb. Okay. Cool. Uh, thank you for looking that up. In the number five place, uh, I don't know that that quite holds for me, but that's fine. It's trans. Yeah, it's translated. Uh Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, made five point four million. That was a seventy four point nine percent drop, and that movie has made twenty eight point five million dollars. Godzilla attacks sets them back to zero, meaning they have to rebuild, and then Godzilla attacks. Okay, yeah. Like, so whoa, yeah, they're below zero. Yeah, because they have two issues. Yeah, so yeah. All right, because he lit up blue. Sure. Also, just a fun title for that for the reasoning. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a huge fucking drop. This isn't the, you know, word of mouth hit. And honestly, this is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. They open big. Usually, it opens bigger than this, but they open big, and then only the people who want to see it go see it. It, it, it. I said this in the summer, and I'm glad there's not a narrative. And I think I said that last week, but. Um, it's good that no one's comparing these two. It was never going to be as big as the Air Tour. It's the second one. She's just not as popular with the youth as Taylor, and the youth is more likely to go again and again and again and again. Adult women are less likely to go, and adult yeah. men are less likely to go 
twice in a week and you know see it four times. <laughs> so stuff. Um, but it made its money and well done. And I just think we're gonna get less of these now. You know, it's funny after the Taylor Swift thing, we're like, we're gonna get more of these, and we're both like, I don't. I, you really have to pick who you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I think now with this, it's that's going to be, you know, we're not getting like, uh, you know, Imagine Dragons concert film anytime soon. No, maybe an Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, maybe. I saw someone. Olivia Rodrigo, I saw a gif of it with her with like blood on her face, maybe from an SNL thing. I don't know her music video. Okay. She seems like the kind to be like, you know, have a little blood splatter on a music video. And they said, like, can we get a real Rodrigo acting again into some auditions? Acting again? Yeah, I think she was an actress. Okay. Uh, maybe not. Point is, I looked around and they went, yeah, she sh-. I legitimately went, yeah, she should be in an audition remake. <laughs> and I stand by it. <laughs> okay. I think that would rock. Sure. If her with her star power, like 20 years old, uh-huh. going like, I want to remake this. And I'm going to be the person. And I'm going to go ee, 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 ee. <laughs> deeper, deeper, deeper. Like, what does she do? Deeper, 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 deeper. Uh, uh, that would be dope as hell. Sure. I'd watch that. And she seems like dark enough to just like want to do that. Yeah. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. She, she's got like a cache of movies where she's like, yeah. nah, I'm into some sick shit. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's our uh, that's our top five. Anything in particular that you would like to highlight? No, no. We'll talk about more stuff next week. With sure. The, uh, Wonka boy. Uh, real quick, just because it's such a big number, uh, the limited release yes. of Poor Things. 71 per theater? Uh, 73. Yeah, huge. Huge. Biggest of the fall. Yeah, that one's, uh, yeah. That that I'm, that I'm one I'm kind of expecting, like, you're in, in, like, Oscar contender terms. That one I'm expecting to, to blow. What did uh, the favorite make? The favorites made. I think that made like okay money. Let's see. It's not gonna help. All right, that made thirty four point three domestic. Thirty four point three domestic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's I, I can see it kind of doing that kind of business. I, I know it's getting a lot of buzz and I think you know, I've seen a lot of things like, you know, we had three couples walk out of this. Uh-huh. Just like this aversion to sex that we have uh, in our culture right now. Um, I, th- I don't know how that's going to play for people, but. Uh, I think it's clear in 40. Wow. Okay. Write that down somewhere. All right. Yeah, we don't have a uh, an early reaction this week, so that'll go on the sheet. It's my early reaction. Uh, God, where is it? There it is. Okay. Damn, Google Sheets takes a long time to load. You ever notice that about Google Sheets? Uh, uh, they can, yeah. Should I fill time? I no, I'm there. Okay, I. So I think that means that it's time to play everybody's favorite game. Yeah. Which, Which did, did it make, make more or less than? than. We all know how to play, and we finally both know how to do the title. I named three which movies. Did <laughs> it, which one? Uh, no. Which did it make more or less than? And you tell me whether each one made more or less than, than <laughs> Insomnia, <laughs> Little Women, or both. For a bonus point, you can tell me the final gross of each movie within $5 million. Are you ready to play? Yeah. 
Coming off a hot five-point victory last week, your first film is The Lovely Bones. The Lovely Bones. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, middle. The Lovely Bones made less than Insomnia. Mm. Yeah, Insomnia made 70 or 60-something. Lovely Bones, I'm going to say made like uh, 52. Uh, yeah. Is that what I'm doing? Guessing the, the amount, right? Yes, you are guessing the amount within yeah. $5 million. Your guess is 52. The actual gross is, unfortunately, 44. Oh, wow. Uh, a, that, yeah, well, I was going to say a justified much lower than your guess, but still too much. Lovely Bones sucks ass. Uh, your second film and the beginning of your comeback, Shutter Island. Oh, uh, more. Shutter Island made more than Little Women. Yep. That is correct. One uh, twenty. What is what? Do I, five or three million? Do I have to five get million. Oh, one twenty-five then. No, is it one thirties? No, one twenty-five. I'll say one twenty-five. I don't think it's one thirties. Oh no. It made one hundred and twenty-eight million dollars. So just like that, you are on the brink of a victory. Two points for Shutter Island. Your final film. Unstoppable. Mm. That's close, isn't it? I don't think I don't think it's like unfair. I think I think it's a it is it is close to insomnia. Less. Less. Unstoppable was in the middle. What? It was close. How could it? Yeah, I mean, unstoppable made like it's kind of close to both. I feel like it didn't make as much as I thought. Maybe it did. In my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, th- um, you know, 66. Okay. So I guess you're pushing me to more than that. So I'll go, uh, I'll go uh, 80, 80. Your guess is 80. Unstoppable made 81 and a half. All right. It was more than I thought. By, and that is well-deserved. I thought uh, Unstoppable fell into the... Like, uh, it barely made it out okay. Maybe compared to the budget. I don't remember the circumstances. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that could be, but that seems like a good number to me. Mm. Uh, to my uh, to my viewings in the uh, in history, and yeah, that movie fucking rules. I uh, so yeah, skinny your teeth. Three points. Way Thank to uh, way to pull that out. Way to keep it suspenseful for the listeners at home. Uh, and now come and gone from a theater near you, Brian. Are you ready to go I'm back ready. in time? Uh, we're doing 2007 this week. This is Deck week the halls. No, um, week 49. It is December 7th. Fuck, dude. One movie. The week before I Am Legend came out. That is. I'm doing that. That is true. That's right. Which opened to 70 million dollars. 77. Oh yeah. I uh, so it was the biggest December opening. I uh, yeah no. yeah, he's gonna be in a sequel with Michael B. We're doing a whole lot of talking about week fifty here, uh, stalling uh, for time. Black Christmas it is not Black Christmas. Yeah, it's two thousand six then. Oh, but it is a horror movie based on that way you said that. It is not a horror movie. All right. I don't know. Give me a clue. Um, this is a family film. Charlotte's Web. No. 
Oh, Dreamer. No. Flicka. No. Okay. Uh, family films. Your brother doesn't too. Ooh. Oh no, the other one. Um, all of us and the people we're with. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, it's not yours, that. mine, and ours. Oh, uh, that. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> You mean the people were with? It's a great movie. Whatever you mean, it's not this. 1996 indie film was a darling out of Sundance, but never got picked up. Um, all right, give me a clue. All right, a, a previous and I believe since retired B side award of uh, ours, a film most likely to be made into a TV show. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, this would this was would have been a good choice. For that award because in two thousand seven. TV show, okay, but it's a kids show. It's turned into a kids show. I no, I mean it's still like family focused, but it's it it's like on? don't don't think kids. Is it? Well, you said kids. Uh, I no, I said it's a family movie. Is it still on? I uh, no, I believe it. Uh, it concluded with its second season, oh. as I recall. You, we watched it. No, oh. I watched the first season. Why? Uh, because mostly because Katie wanted to, but also because I was, uh, it is very well regarded as a property. Uh, what? Cause of this movie? No, it's based on something. Yeah. That's what I thought. Right. Uh, and the things it's oh, based yeah, on yeah, are very well regarded property. It, I got it. I got it. Saw it in theaters at the Arlington Heights theater. Okay. Back in the day. Uh, the golden compass. It is the golden compass. Yes, uh, not the most notorious Nicole Kidman, Daniel Craig starter uh, star that year, which of course we both know is uh, like invasion. That year, yeah, invasion. yeah, yeah, the right. invasion. Um, they vomit into like water or people's mouths or something. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Golden Cup is open to like a, I guess maybe holiday legs, which were never meant to be. I'm gonna say twenty six. You're going to say 26. You want to know what it actually opened to? 26. Thank you. Point one. Yeah. I nailed that. Cost too much. Uh, Chris White's, I believe, directed that. Okay. Um, I, I don't know who that is. I know. Yeah, Chris White's directed it. Uh, he, he was His filmography went... Uh, director down to earth. Okay. Chris Rock. Yeah. About a boy. Yeah. Then the Golden Compass. He was an uncredited director and producer. He co-directed with his brother American Pie, and wrote Nutty Professor Two: The Clumps as well as Ants. Then Down to Earth and About a Boy. Then the Golden Compass. Director Twilight Saga: New Moon, and then really wasn't super perfect again. Um. Golden Compass in 2007 cost? Uh, $150 million. $180 million. Jesus Christ. I was worried about going too high. The film grossed seven, $372 million, even though it made like 80 here, so it did well overseas. So if it had cost $150, 2007, yeah. DVD sales, maybe try for it. Yeah. Not 180 though. Not happening. Not happening at all. Shall we get to it? Uh, yeah, real quick. Just this weekend, also saw the release uh, in limited fashion of Atonement and Juno. Uh, two big movies for 2007. You know what people were saying um, the weekend before this? What? 
They were waiting for atonement, indeed. We're gonna have to pay for that song now. No, we won't. Okay, before we get started with flick, uh, flicker treat season screenings, um, Joe, you've seen May December, right? Yeah, great. Uh, le- I we also saw it recently. I found it. Did I really loved it? I thought it was. Uh, a thorned marriage of soap camp with the sweaty the fuzz of Don't read his shit. Unmasking you think, a tweet? you think there's a tweet he sends I, I don't did. see? I you did. think there's a tweet uh, he sends I don't see? <laughs> Don't fucking read that to me. I think it's important. Unmasking layers of artificial identity. No, let me know what you think about this. A thorned marriage of soap camp with the sweaty fuzz of 80s noir. Unmasking layers of artificial identity through heart needling sadness. Looking at our epidemic of insincerity. Yeah, insincerity. In search of what's real at any cost. No, no, no. Read his little sign off. Maybe my favorite. He always has a little catchy thing at the end. It's a masterpiece. Everything's a masterpiece. Every single thing's a masterpiece. Maybe my favorite Haynes. You should read the interview where Todd Haynes himself says, "Well, uh, that's what he's not camp." That's why I brought it up. I do yeah. want to talk to you about that, but yeah. I want to kill this guy. Uh, did you like Made did, Regardless of that, okay. Yeah, Let's talk about the camp thing because Noah mentioned that before we watched it. Yeah. Did you read the quote since then? Uh, yes, I have. I have seen seen him talking about it. You were tweeting about it. What yeah. What do we think about? What he said and what the film actually is. I just don't think that filmmakers think in the way that like um, critics or people like Brandon, whatever, try to sound like smart saying. I just right. don't think that's the way that they think about their movies. They're mo- they, they're not. I, I don't think that a lot of filmmakers are sitting around like literary critics obsessing about things like genre. Like they right. are making the movie. They're, they're not, not coming up with a movie going, I have an idea for a movie that's like fuzzy eighties noir yes, fuse. Yeah. That's yeah. This is what I was talking about recently with like the where there was an interview with the um the Cohen brothers where the same thing happened. The critic was like, Yeah. yeah. Did you think it was that? They're yeah. like, Yeah, we never really thought about it. We just told that. a story that we yeah. had. Yeah, it's like yeah we just told a story with our sensibilities and, like, and, yeah, it's yeah. like like and it's funny because this is where I think like people just like talking out of their asses about stuff, like they totally miss the thing. Like the, the way, like the powers of description that people use, that is like the tool that like critics and like in this guy's case and a lot of people online, bad critics have, right? So when they're talking to a filmmaker about that, they don't actually want to talk about the film. They want to talk about how smart they are for describing the film using the tools that they have but those aren't the filmmakers tools sitting around calling things camp and and getting into like silly little conversations about genre those are like annoying critic things like the the filmmakers tools are the filmmaking that's what they're interested in not like in you know playing around in their own assholes and and pretend like making all these little things up about it that's like not to my observation what any filmmaker is really interested in. So I don't find myself very interested in it either. Um, in the discourse of whether it's camp? Yeah. I, just, yeah. I, I don't think it really matters at all. I, I, I find it patently uninteresting. I do think the movie is very interesting. I think it's a movie that... Did like, you find it funny, though, in those particular moments? Or just like... The that, hot dog thing? Yeah, I thought the hot dog thing was funny. Yeah, I thought There's a couple funny, funny like like the scene with her and the <laughs> with, with the students where she just goes, that's right, Brendan, I did, jer- I did oh, jerk yeah, off. Yeah, and the kid's like, yeah. what? But I think um, it also is like, it's funny, but it's also, um, she's, uh, it, it's, it's not just funny. It's also a, um, I do agree with the layers thing. Like I think, I don't, not with how he put it, but I do think it is a very layered movie where like, 
she is being funny and it is a funny thing that's happening but the point of the scene is that she's at least as i see it is that as she's becoming this woman she is imitating her transgressions well yeah and they're of not course gonna have her actually like natalie portman's not really gonna fuck a kid right right so this is the closest she's coming either consciously or subconsciously and that's part of the many many mysteries of the movie of like the psychology of all these people that she is getting closer and closer to those transgressions and jumping across the lines and i think that's part of what makes it so such a fun movie and i think it's like yeah she's acting out the 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 initial flirtating yeah. flirtatious behavior right 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 and, and the courtship yeah. and i mean i the movie's obviously like you know we could say a thousand things like he does about what the movie's about but um, I mean, part of me does think that like anything that takes something and heightens it against uh, just not even genre norms or social norms, just norms in general makes it camp. So like her putting makeup on the woman who's on the actress who's playing the actress who's playing her yeah. is inherently in itself an absurd thing and taken seriously and should be. But that to me is a form of camp that it's yeah, like, I just like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I think the movie also just has like a ton of different things going on yeah. and it's hard to like, uh, com- like compared to like, if you just look up movies that are like examples of camp, I think it's like a hard one. To like John out. Waters. No, I mean, it's yeah. no, it's nothing like pink flamingos right, or yeah, woman exactly. in trouble, but and it's, it's not. And it's, I also think that, um, like one problem with the, the idea of campiness in this movie is that campiness usually revels in it's like distaste for social norms and stuff. Yeah. But part of the filmmaking here is about like a very sensitive portrayal of like a kid being essentially like uh, you know, statutory raped. And if you lean too far into the campy thing, and this is why I think Todd Haynes probably would not call it that you're going to lose some of that. And it's no longer going to be, like it just the entirety of it becomes a joke. Right. I don't think it is. Especially when when you know you take the fact that the filmmakers at least partially like use an actual thing that happened as the inspiration for it. Yeah, not only an actual thing, but like I'm sure you've seen the interview, like literally the exact words that they said to each other. That I didn't know. So there's an interview uh, where these two are uh, are being interviewed by a journalist, and that bedroom scene where they have. That yeah. Every word of when that she's cry- when she's crying and he comes in, uh, where he starts to say, "Yeah, but it's like a piece of it." It's mostly, oh, okay. but it's Got like it. um, where he's saying there's like a series of lines where he says, "Like, how would I have known? I'm only 13." Yeah. There is an interview, and we can watch it at some point. But uh, that's literally just the the words out of this interview. Yeah, he transposes it right into the movie to not even pretend that we're talking about like a thing that is um, right. inspired by something. It simply is that thing. Um, and so it has like all of these layers of like reality going on in it that I think are very interesting. And I think it is like a very, um, I don't know, like I, it, it is a type of movie I like a lot where there is so much outside the, outside just the mm-hmm. frame of the screen, outside the boundaries of what the picture you're literally seeing. There are like layers to these people's psychologies there are little um, mysteries everywhere, kind of like Tar a little bit, where there's just these mysteries everywhere that like are somewhat unsolvable, but also like very interesting to kind of think about and explore. That like, you know, in a lot of movies, you know, are just about the thing on the screen, and there's right. really there's no extra textual elements, you know, where it's like well, so many things are left unsaid. There's there's a the one that stands out to me. I mean, the mirror scene is a whole thing, but the one that stands out to me is when she's looking at. 
the audition for the kid. Oh, yeah. And she's not saying it out loud, but she's saying to the director, none of them are hot enough. Yeah, I don't want to fuck And they're all 14. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah. it's something that we inherently know as the viewer because we've just been following her on this yeah. journey. Someone I saw online compared it to Todd Salon's and oh, happiness, okay. essentially, which is a different form of camp. It's not the yeah. kind of highbrow in your face that John Waters does, mm-hmm. but it is that kind of taking uh, something and making it so hard to digest and watch as a viewer yeah. that it becomes inherently just you have and to... Yeah, and that's where I think the ridiculous... Especially stuff, happiness. Yeah, that's where I think the ridiculous of it, ridiculousness of some of this stuff, like... And if you want to call it camp, that's fine. But I think even the moments where it's um, it's sort of stating on its face that some of the like there's ridiculous things going on, like right. the hot dog line. I think that is meant to inform a little bit of like how you approach the material. That like the thing that happened here is so ridiculous. This thirty-something-year-old woman um, really raping a kid and then like doing a uh, what's it called? Um, uh, Stockholm syndrome on him mm-hmm. until he's 30 uh, that it is so ridiculous that nothing can just be like on the level here right like, it's thrown the uh, shape of things so out of proportion in this world that nothing things don't make sense and they don't have to make sense because this event can't make sense so when you have like a weird zoom in on her going I'm a, I'm a hot dog it's like, yeah, that is like a representation of like how fucking ridiculous every single thing is. Um, and that's like, that is maybe a little campy because it's like it, the movie is not always trying to be grounded in reality. It is like there's some unreality stuff going on in there to kind of um, uh, not just be a soap opera. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, th- I, I thought it was a very interesting movie. And I think it's like, I wish it were the type of movie that would, I mean, I think it's getting like a lot of praise, but I just yeah. think it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I will not go into an Oppenheimer fit, but like when people talk about like difficult movies, you know, and like weighty movies, it's like, well, May, December is like much more difficult than just like, you know, the bomb is bad. Like it is the movie where I, th- I think people should give more credit to like the thoughtfulness going into, um, the questions of, that are being raised and like the levels of like stuff going on in it. So yeah, I thought it was very cool. I'm disappointed I didn't see it in theaters, but uh, it wasn't out for very long. I think. Was it in theaters? Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, obviously it would have had to have been. I don't know yeah. if it was here for very long. Yeah, but. I, I was disappointed to miss it, but that's uh, okay. All right. A lot of people have com- compared it to Tar, just especially because that last scene where it's like she's actually a terrible actress and the movie is <laughs> the movie's shit. terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I haven't found a way to naturally work this into the conversation, but uh, <laughs> Joe, if you could get a little closer to the mic. Yes. We're not re- are we actually recording this? But yeah. yeah man. We're not going to put this in there, are we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want to put it in there. Why? Because there's no point of this. I want to talk about it with you. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Is, uh, we're talking about movies. Uh, I'm with you, for uh, Joe, for uh, the record on the campiness. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't really know what like capital C camp is. Yeah. I, I also don't care very much, but the the term to me implies a sort of like silly, ironic detachment from what's going on. And I yeah. just don't see that in uh, in the movie at all. I think like it's it's funny and ridiculous at times, yeah. but not in a way that strikes me as yeah. quote also, unquote campy. Yeah. Uh, also it's, maybe it's have just, just like, like very sad. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, I also have just have a, uh, 
kind of a just a gag reflux when like a bunch of Twitter people try to be like, oh, well, actually, this thing that you thought was this is this other thing. Like right. people used to do this with shows all the time. They're like, you know, actually, Madman's a comedy. Like, okay, no, it's not. It's yeah. like, shut the fuck up. No, like, it. That, shut up. There's I, funny things that, that happen is in it. Funny, it's not a comedy. I, I was I was literally having this thought earlier because I was reading the the way the Twitter discourse has moved on from is it camp to is it a comedy because yeah. it was nominated at yeah. the Globes for comedy. Yeah. And, yeah. and no. I was thinking that same thing of like yeah. Mad Men, yeah. while it was on TV, was like pro- probably the hardest I laughed yeah. at a TV show yeah. uh, on a week-to-week basis. It wasn't a comedy. No, it wasn't a comedy. And it's like, again, like doing that would like undercut so much of like what Matthew Weiner and other, like <laughs> everybody's doing in that series. Uh, like the comedy is in like relief of like the, the extremely depressive nature of that show. So I, yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. It just speaks to a level of like, actually I'm, I'm the elite viewer that <laughs> so many people online like to pretend to be, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I find it irritating, but I did like the movie. All right. Season screenings. <laughs> here we go. Uh, we have uh, Joe here. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Okay. I didn't There's realize the of podcast was on. Well, listen, it's either that or we talk about Christmas with the Cranks, you know? <laughs> Funny you mention it. Our film is Christmas with the Cranks, released November 24th, 2004, directed by Joe Roth, written by Chris Columbus, starring right. Tim Allen, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Dan Aykroyd. When their daughter Blair, away in Peru, with their daughter, sorry, with their daughter Blair, away in Peru, Luther and Nora Crank decide to skip Christmas altogether until she decides to come home, causing an uproar when they have to celebrate it at the last minute. 5% on Rotten Tomatoes, 22 on Metacritic. Why the hell did you make us watch this? So, um, not only 5%, um, but it is, I believe, the second lowest rated um, holiday movie on Rotten Tomatoes. That's so probably true. It's pretty impressive pretty impressive a lot of them are pretty cheap and bad yeah a lot of them are bad but this one is especially offensive if you watch it straight up which um what do you mean so as opposed to as a piece of camp see this is what's funny because i do think this one has a different uh critical lens you can watch it through and have a lot more fun with it but um why did i make you watch it well uh it's kind of become a bit of a, a culty movie uh in a couple of senses of the word but uh at the core, I think it's a movie that is so bad with its filmmaking and fumbles in everything it's trying to do so completely that it, it stumbles upon, uh, by complete accident, some truth in its narrative about the relationship between families, um, especially Midwestern families, and the holidays. So the movie takes place um, in Riverside, Illinois, I uh, just outside Chicago. I uh, they named the town. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's wow. actually. Riverside. I knew I knew it was Illinois. No, it's it's Riverside, and okay. it is. Uh, if you believe it or not, it is based off a uh, John Grisham novel <laughs> from just a couple years before the, the movie was made. The second note that I have written down for yeah. this movie is John Grisham <laughs> skipping yeah. Christmas, which yeah, uh, skipping I believe Christmas. they changed the title because Surviving Christmas was also coming out this Probably. year. And I, I believe, so I think, um, 
Joe Roth and Christopher Columbus kind of, I, I can't remember if they both started working on the movie separately, but there was some, it got started in a couple different points, but uh, John Grisham actually, I think gave uh, like a preview of the book to either one of them uh, telling them that this would make a great movie <laughs> before it was even published. Uh, and I think uh, uh, Joe Roth thought Christopher Columbus was going to direct it and um, he did not. He said uh, Joe Roth should direct it. And I think that is really where the, the movie goes bad because Chris Columbus knows how to make uh, a holiday farce. It is uh, a big part of his career, Home Alone. I think there's some other ones that he's done. But Joe Roth has no fucking clue what he's doing in here. And the movie is, uh, like, such a tonal mess of weirdness that, uh, like I said, it just, it just completely fails in doing the thing that it's trying to do, which is to basically do a, um, you know, a retelling of Scrooge set in Chicago with a family who decides uh, they don't want to go on – or they don't want to do the holidays – they want to take a selfish cruise, and then they have to learn a lesson at the end of the movie that um, that was a bad idea. And you have to do Christmas. Right, exactly. You have to do Christmas. But what happened in sort of trying to do that is that they made a movie basically about the inescapability of Christmas and um, the anguish and terror you will suffer if you deviate from um, the norm of the holidays with your family. And what the movie plays as is more of a movie about an insane cult where uh, Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis are trying to find an exit strategy and simply cannot do it. And through that lens, I think the movie is a lot of fun because you have a lot of great actors in this movie. You have Dan Aykroyd, you have Cheech Marin, uh, you have Jake Busey. As it's a very one of the weird cops. qualifier you use there. I noticed before actors, great. they are great. <laughs> Those are all hilarious people, and they—I mean, uh, Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis are hilarious in this movie too. Jamie Lee Curtis, particularly, really, really takes. Oh, seriously. I have a lot to talk about yeah. with Jamie Lee Curtis. She takes in this movie. so seriously the idea of um, becoming this overzealous Midwestern mother who wears like holiday vests um, and like squeals whenever she talks to her daughter on the phone. But she's so horny. She is horny. In there. this movie. Yeah, she and, is horny. And Tim Allen will not fuck her. <laughs> he really? Well, as he says in the movie, Saturday night he does. Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, he does. Let's see. Yeah. They have sex once a week, but she wants it all the time. First of all, that's not bad. Good for them. That's they're keeping it up. Sure, uh, their daughter's out of the house. Like they're they're in middle age. It gets it gets difficult. I understand to right. maintain uh, the love in the ho- in the home. Yep. Um. So, uh, a couple more notes I have about why I think this movie is fun. So, it's about how Christmas is this imposition that you should save your. Uh, it's a, it's about how Christmas is an imposition that you should cast off and save your money for something else but you can't because there's a tyranny this cult surrounding christmas that children are partly responsible for that neighbors are responsible for because the whole uh setup of the movie is that their daughter is going away 
Um, and so they don't need to celebrate Christmas together. And you see in the very opening scene, these two people who are like completely despondent laying in bed, just absolutely um, unhappy because they have nothing to look forward to because this will be their first year without their daughter at Christmas. And it kind of begs the question, and I think this is another thing that the movie accidentally gets at, is that even after a successful happy holiday Christmas, which they end up having, um, that is still the fate that awaits them on the other side of December 25th or January 1st or whatever. All that's going to happen is they're going to have a holiday party and then go back to being essentially despondent in bed and depressed over what not having this holiday thing to look forward to and that's the way they will spend the rest of their lives for the rest of the year and it it is sort of a dark reality that the movie lays out about um this relationship uh so yeah those are a uh, a couple thoughts on why i love uh love the cranks it's also a movie with a lot of hijinks um you have a neighborhood full of colorful characters you have a uh, Jamie Lee Curtis chasing after a ham that's rolling away in one scene, and then a semi truck runs over it. That's hilarious. She spent um, two thousand dollars on it. Unnamed amount. She said, un- "Get ready for the college she, fund for the kids." Get ready for the college yeah. fund. Tim Allen is in a speedo at one point in the movie. Uh, scandalizing the priest. Scandalizing the his priest. work yep. hates him for not doing Christmas. Even the even his job. Yeah, where well, he's like a big lawyer. The memo he sent in out downtown Chicago was don't talk to me about. Christmas. Yeah, what what was a little unreasonable. Well, here's what's so, <laughs> but here's what's so interesting about this universe as well is that it was not enough for them to simply quietly skip Christmas. They had to announce it to every single person they know in their personal and professional lives. Right, they had to make it other people's business. Right, and that is essentially what brings on the uh, like hellfire of harassment that they suffer is not just trying to sort of escape this cult, but bragging that they're doing it. Um, and then of course at the end, just to spoil it, uh, and this is the, the sort of, um, you know, uh, most depressing part about it. They do not escape the cult. They are lured back in by not only this holiday party, but a uh, good deed that Tim Allen ends up doing for a neighbor, giving him their uh, their cruise package. Um, and that reaffirms their belief in this uh, cult of Christmas and holiday. Why, why was he so excited to hurt the mailman? The um, mailman slips and Tim Allen goes, Rah! Yeah, I'm not 100% I th- sure. I think that was just <laughs> him learning that his trap had worked. I oh, I see. Specifically, he was just... <laughs> He was indifferent to the plight of the mailman, but he was thrilled that people walking on his lawn would slip and fall. Okay. I am Noah. Yes. Christmas with the Cranks. Uh-huh. What did you think? Uh, I think that uh, the theoretical movie that uh, Joe is describing having seen is pretty interesting. Uh, the actually executed version of the movie is... Uh, is a mess. <laughs> I think it's I it has like three distinct tones at different times that 
you, you really can't keep up with. And like more often than not, it's just your sort of baseline silly Christmas movie about a family learning a lesson. And that's fine. I occasionally it gets like incredibly silly. Uh, sometimes in ways what do you that mean? are uh, broadly amusing, of like the uh, the ham getting run over by the semi. Uh, I do, I do think the movie is kind of peppered with like small individual moments of someone having a fun idea and like doing it well. Uh, I liked when the ham got run over by the semi. Uh, <laughs> when he's put when he's putting up Frosty the Snowman oh, yeah. at the end. And he's like hanging it by a noose. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, sure. That, that I was like, that's surprisingly bold imagery for this film. Sure. Yeah, I. But then there's like a subplot with a robber at the end, and yeah. fucking Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> is, well, the, uh, the the weirdest subplot. Santa is Claus. That Santa is real. <laughs> sure, and yeah. he's a thin, small man. He's a thin, small man who is sort of. Um, subtly menacing them yeah. uh kind of uh watching over their um their journey here and uh kind of doing like a weird little mobster move of coming into their homes and just being like got a nice christmas party here it sure is a good thing that you still believe in the holidays mm-hmm. and it's sort of uh, an open question what would happen to uh to Nora and uh, whatever Tim Allen's name, Luther, if they uh, went through with their plan. Santa seemed like he might uh, have something sinister in store for him. It seemed so clear to me that the daughter was going to get home and see that guy and be like, Uncle Marty, you're here! And they'd be like, oh, you know who he is. Because she is just this sort of like embodiment of goodness and virtue, and everyone loves her. And like, of course she paid attention to this man that they discarded. Yeah. Uh, but then just nobody knows who he is, and then he's Santa. And that's, yeah. It, he defeats bit, the robber. Yeah, the the robber was like... Like, it's it's, t- it's time to be concluding this movie, and instead <laughs> we're starting a subplot about a guy <laughs> robbing the house. Uh, well, you can see that it has, like, quite a bit of, like, Home Alone in it, where sure. there are... There's a lot of um, physical humor... Where people should be dead, Tim Allen uh, falls off a roof in sort of perhaps a funny nod to Santa Claus, perhaps just he does say stuff. to the robber when he's on the roof, he goes, "Hey, get off the roof!" Exactly yeah. like he does in yeah. Santa Claus. Okay. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's there's a lot of Home Alone mock violence in it. Uh, there's the burglar at the end, you know, taken right out of it. And yeah, I really think it would be a different movie if Columbus directed it, but uh, not a good movie, but. Yeah, be, maybe like a more coherent yeah, thing. It wouldn't be the third, the second worst movie on like Rotten Tomatoes. But one other the, funny note about you mentioned family, like you thought the guy was going to be an uncle. Um, so they're having a holiday party. They do not have a single other family member. No, there no. or anywhere. They don't even mention calling them, do they? I now they say they mention that everyone they know is busy right. and has plans. Because right. of course they do. Like the. But Do they we never know that they have family. Well, well, that's the funny thing is that they the people that they break the news to that they're not celebrating Christmas are coworkers at his accounting firm, um, her friends are I think, and then all of the neighbors. There is no other family member who they talk to or who expresses disappointment. There's never a mention that we have to call mom and dad. We have to call brother Bill. 
Nothing like that. The only family they have is this daughter. So, you know, that adds some elements of, uh, you know, uh, mystery to it that are maybe not justified for this movie, but it's like, who are these people? Are these the Americans? Are we watching the Americans yeah. right now? Like, what's going on? The sleeper agents. Yeah, like, what's happening here? I... I also want to talk about the third tone of the movie, which is uh, occasionally an old woman is dying of cancer. Yes, this uh, is a good, great part. And, and just like a disease what that's the never fuck? mentioned, right. she just has terminal disease. She's a terminal disease, and it looks great. She looks okay. Well, she every every time they ask how she's it's doing, she's day. having a good day. She's having right. a good day, uh, yeah. which is good. I do think they specify that it's cancer. Okay. Uh, and what's interesting is that uh, Luther, in his act of generosity, that is like the holiday Christmas moment of him finding his soul again, is him forcing this cruise upon. They this couldn't. El- they could not go. They couldn't even cross the street. They could not cross the street to go to the party. There but is, they're going to go on a cruise. There is no way these people could go yeah. on this cruise, and they protest. And the movie plays the protestations for like they're just being polite. Like, oh Luther, we couldn't. Oh Luther, we have a doctor's appointment. Oh Luther, we have this. But it, you know, so he gets to force this thing on them, and they accept. And, yeah, they would never be able to go to it. She is dying. And in that moment, there's also an extremely, extremely funny part that I laugh at every time where the old man across the street, they're, they're trying to come up for, with excuses for not going yeah, on yeah, this yeah. trip. And he goes, um, well, Benny is yeah. going to come by tomorrow. And she yeah. goes, Benny hasn't come by in yeah. years. He yeah. says that every Perhaps year. Perhaps the saddest thing. Yeah. Is ben, do you think Benny is their son? I believe it's their this son. Is, yeah. <laughs> my, my, uh, my, my note verbatim here after learning that uh, Benny hasn't been home in years and Benny is their son <laughs> is, good Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because there seems to be like, again, I haven't read the John Grisham book, I'm embarrassed to say, Maybe these characters are in there. Maybe they're not. There seems to be a thread of common ground that these people could find where their daughter Blair wasn't going to be home. Benny never comes home. This could have been more of a story, not just about one couple of empty nesters, but about what happens in the holidays when um, people are gone, you know? Yeah. But instead, it has to, that would be too sad. So it has to lean all the way away from that. And it has to have this holiday party where everyone's back. So you can kind of see where things might have linked up a little bit more. But that line, Benny says that every year or something, or Benny hasn't been home in years, is just hilarious and, like, you know, in a way really sad, but just so funny. There was a moment. Uh, to just get away from their son not coming home, which is just like, just just bewildering. <laughs> you me. wonder who he is now. What if the son would would have been the burglar or something? Okay, like how cool would that have been? He he accidentally ends up robbing his parents' uh, house, who he's never he's never been home in years, right? Sure. Now I'm just making up. Uh, now I'm just making up a new ending. But he's never been home no in years. No more endings. Doesn't even <laughs> doesn't even remember where they live. 
he gets let out of the car and instead of robbing Tim Allen's house, because frankly, why the hell would you go rob a house where people are having a party? One of yeah, the chances are is that they'll know they'll the notice. people that are there. Yeah, yeah. Probably and just you, escape. Yeah, it will definitely escape. But what if he went over to this other old couple's house? Killed them. <laughs> well, well, you know, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, he robs it and then they come downstairs and say, Benny! We're so happy you're home. And then there's a rekindling of uh, feelings. That I, would be Do you think he was Benny? Did he choose not to go to his parents' house and I would, said Rob I don't know. House? I like yeah. to was think that, that it was Benny. Was that Benny? I, th- I, think, I, think it, I think it could have been. I think we're really on to something here. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fond of where this is going. Yeah. Uh, one, once we, we get our formal pitch together for Christmas with the Cranks 2. Uh, Next right? Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Last Christmas with the Franks. <laughs> I, there is a moment when uh, Tim Allen is at work and he's on the phone with uh, his wife. Who, I that th- was the I only th- time I laughed. This is the, what you're about to say is the only time I chuckled. I think she's. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think this is when they're looking for Frosty, and she's like, "Where's Frosty?" And he's like, "No, Frosty." Uh, and he's like talking to her on his cell phone. And then he like lifts his head and his cell phone falls down into his shirt oh, pocket. Yes. And I was just like, good job. The only, that was, that was, that was the awesome. only time I chuckled. That was, that was just another one of those things where it's like hey, just a, a small individual moment of someone being like, hey, I've, yeah. I've, never, I've never seen that before. Yeah. I do think some of the Tim Allen stuff breaks through, but uh, it is pretty limited in what you know he's able to do. But there is a little bit of Tim the Tool Man and like, some uh, Santa Claus stuff that he gets to do. Speaking but of Tim the Toolman, did you also find that Jamie Lee Curtis is styled very much like his wife from Home Improvement? Oh, what Definitely. a great well, point. Home Improvement. No, Patricia Richardson. The Wikipedia yeah. of this actually has a... <laughs> probably the majority of the page is about the costuming in this movie, which is very specific and clearly where about 90% of the thought went into it. And yeah, Home Alone is again... A Midwest, a Midwest family in Detroit. Illinois. No, Home Alone's in Illinois. Oh, no. I thought you were talking about uh, Home, Improve- Home Improvement. Home, you, yeah, you, Home Improvement. Oh, I'm talking about Detroit. Home Improvement. Yeah, Detroit. Yeah. yeah. And this is obviously in Chicago. And they are really leaning into, like, Midwestern tradition, Midwestern appearances. Like, she absolutely... Um, Looks like that, and I actually I copied a couple of that down, a couple notes about that down because I thought it was so funny. So I'm going to read a little bit from the wiki here. Um, so something I didn't write the first day, but something DeSanto, uh, the costume designer, said DeSanto viewed that all the characters in Christmas with the Cranks would wear dresses that are supposed to serve as their accents rather than overtly defining them. Luther Crank is seen wearing the same colored shirt and suit at work all the time. And according to DeSanto, this tells that Luther is a punch-the-clock kind of guy, so the whole idea of scripping, skipping Christmas and going off on a tropi- tropical vacation is completely averse to anything he's ever done. She described Nora as a tasteful and kind of folksy, a, middle, a middle-American woman approaching middle age. In our first meeting with Jamie Lee Curtis, or in their first meeting with Jamie Lee Curtis, she was totally prepared. She wanted to look like a real Midwestern woman who lives in the suburbs of Chicago and is is as obsessed with Christmas as everyone around her. Nora dresses for the seasons, and I found out by speaking to people at Marshall Fields in Chicago that the Christmas sweater is a big deal, and Jamie wears it so well. Thank God she did that research. Yeah, yeah, it's a (laughs) little. She's so out of touch that she's like, what what do people wear? Christmas Christmas sweaters? 
It's also okay. an interesting note on uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, Vic Frohmeyer, and a very good Chicago name. As for Vic Frohmeyer, DeSantos saw him as a sort of commander-in-chief of the neighborhood. So I wanted something with a bit of military flair. Since he's also a college professor, we cut the pattern from a general's jacket and made it professional by using a vintage tweed mixed with corduroy. There is no... There is no piece of this movie that had more thought than what these people are wearing. And uh, that, that I, I respect. And guess what? That bit. doesn't come across at all. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad it helps the filmmakers and the actors. Uh, but I recognized a lot of uh, Midwestern moms. And, uh, no, absolutely. Curtis's. I more meant all the shit they did to Dan Aykroyd's outfits. Oh, yeah. He's a little wacky. I mean, he's got, the, he's got that sort of like that neighborhood general. Yeah, but that's because the music, whenever quality, he shows up, goes bum, 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 bum. that helps, bum. yeah. Um, I, I really missed him in the second act of this movie. I felt like he yeah, just kind of went away. He's in at the beginning, he goes away, time. and then he comes back. I was like, yeah. oh, this is our main antagonist. Yeah. The king of the neighbor. Oh, he's gone. Yeah, he it's actually fine. like he actually attacks Jamie Lee Curtis at one point as well, which is yeah, the, yeah why uh, why the the cult thing or part of why the cult thing has stuck with this movie is uh, it's very aggressive harassing of uh, Luther and Nora. Well, he gets his fingies. Uh, Clamped in the window. Yeah, so yeah. So he gets his comeuppance. Yeah. Um, another Does she think that she ripped his hands off? Briefly, She was yeah. very scared, yeah. Another funny thing about this, uh, it has a very notable uh, composer. Uh, Stevie Van Zandt is the composer of this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and that's why there's a lot of sort of uh, rockin' Christmas beats in it. Um, Didn't even notice. And it, it is one of the more appreciated parts of the movie. I think the, um, I read that the, the soundtrack made like a top 10 holiday soundtracks the year it came out. Uh, so respect. I wonder how deep that bench is every <laughs> it's year. It's 11. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> top 10 holiday yeah, it's soundtracks. It's like Bing Crosby, uh, you know, whoever does the holiday float thing. And then yeah. like one movie that came out. I, I just find watching Tim Allen and things to be strange. I uh, and more broadly, just I find it very weird when these, like, just that there's these big conservative tough guys like the Manly Men, who go on to be actors professionally. Like, I don't I don't understand how they can stand it. Like all all of these all of these guys are very like oh you know I'm a I'm a man I'm macho I who are you referring to here? My uh, Tim Allen mostly, but uh, you know. Like John Voight, uh, yeah. okay. All, all all of these guys who like embody the big the big ideals of like just your conservative man of the house, uh, but like you're what you're just walking around doing this completely ridiculous <laughs> job. This is like the yeah. most uh, the least like uh, I work I work with my hands thing in the entire world. Yeah, you, you're you're doing the scene where yeah. you're like I got Botox, I can't chew. There's yeah. food falling down my chin. Like I do think there was a a sad. Sad is relative, not really sad, but kind of a, a funny thing that happens with stand-ups where, like Tim Allen, where, you know, stand-up is much more of like sort of, you know, working humor, you know, where sure. you are, you know, doing the craft and the job. It's in some ways more physical. It's, you know, uh, more strenuous um, and it has sort of an edginess attached to it. But 
It's also like inherently about how you're right. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But I share all my thoughts that are good and funny. right. But for a lot of comedians, the the matriculation of their career is that you do stand up to get recognized, to get the show or the movie that then kind of undercut some of the stuff you were doing. And I think that's exactly how Tim Allen ended up in things like Christmas with the Cranks, um, you know, and a lot of other comedians end up doing like these awful movies where you watch him and you're like, how are you a guy we know? And it's like, well, he's a good comedian, but this is like not at all what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and that's why there are like in Christmas with the Cranks and even in other Tim Allen things and it, essentially everything in uh, Home Improvement, it, all of the jokes are parentheticals. There's no humor actually written into a lot of the scenes. It's like, you know, in Christmas with the Crank, the scene where she's talking to him at um, the restaurant they're at and he's eating the peaches or something. There's dripping yeah. out of his mouth. That has like nothing to do with what's happening it's just this like parenthetical joke because he's tim allen and he can be funny um so yeah it is i I do think it's odd to watch a lot of those stand-ups in in movies Uh, i I feel like if tim allen was not a successful professional comedian and actor and he had a son who like decided that he was going to become an actor (laughs) tim allen's response would be oh no he's gay (laughs) and but it's fine when he does it. He, he can would. he can be as silly as he wants. He can he can yeah. do his do his dumb jokes and sit go, around huh? all day. And he's wearing makeup and like he it's fine. Yeah. But if his son did it, it would be gay. And I don't know how they they cross those wires in their mind. But it bu- it bugs me all the time. It's such a silly Money. job. Yeah. Well, sure. But are, like, are they? Are, is he happy with himself when he goes to bed? He's happy with his money. Probably not. <laughs> Yeah, I Maybe don't know. Not. That was uh, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that instead of uh, Just like t- how, how Tim Allen <laughs> sleeps at night. Yeah, how do you do it, Tim Allen? <laughs> You're such a ridiculous man. Yeah. I do. We, Brian, do you have any closing thoughts on Christmas with the Crank? Oh yeah, I'll talk about if I liked it or not. Thanks for asking. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like it at all. Uh, you're out on cranks? Yo, yeah, yeah. Wow. I thought that it has so much bad CGI in it. Just needless CGI. Um, I thought that Jamie Lee Curtis acts like a maniac. The scene where they're yelling at her to get back Frosty and she runs under the covers. Oh, yeah. Is insane to me she's scared they're gonna invade her home they're not they just say give it's her neighbors and children like she this family's nuts across the street i i just i it's it it, it never ended uh it's it's not none of it was funny i saw it in theaters too um thanks the, for doing your part thank you uh it made money too at the box office um the uh the cops who just like take the night off and help them for four hours this is also part of the cult where they it's not only the neighbors in your family right. that are tormenting you into Christmas. It's literally uh, our government institutions, including the police, who are threatening you if you do not obey holiday tradition. The woman next door is making two turkeys. 
Hungry boy. And is not having anyone over and is free to just completely bring everything to the neighbor's house. Christmas miracle. This is everyone on the block on Christmas Eve is alone because they don't have, they, they made no, this, this, these people told them six weeks ago, we're not doing Christmas. They made no other plans. They planned to sit in their house alone. And then these people said, we need you to bring everything here. And they said, great, we're not doing anything. Perfect. It's wild. And I also think that, you know, Dan Aykroyd, like serenading people with a, a, a accordion, uh, it was just like, everyone's that like, awesome. yay. <laughs> so when I just... I, anecdote from my life. When I grew up, we would go to a Christmas Eve, uh, church ceremony mm. and we had a pastor who would do just that. He brought his accordion sure, and he would, uh, play it and play all the holiday tunes on it. And did like you enjoy it? Concert. Everybody fucking loved it. It was the only thing that got people to go to a Christmas Eve church service. It was uh, a hoot. Um, so I appreciate Dan Aykroyd. I also uh, think that the ending is 20 minutes of Tim Allen outside going to 15 different places. Yeah, he, 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 he spends, goes to the roof he to spends, rescue the guy. Yeah, he goes across the street. He goes yeah. to the, the robber. The, he is the out robber. there. He talks to the umbrella guy. He is out there for so long. Uh, so that also, uh, he's like, yeah, it's I, I noticed like, Oh, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis is gone. It's the end of the movie. We'll never see her. Again. What's the problem when you get everyone there for the party, the drama resolves itself yeah. and there's nothing left to Except do. Except for that robber. You gotta bring a robber in. Just raise yeah. the stakes one yeah. more time. Yeah. The drama is in Luther's heart. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's the drama raging right. until he gives the cruise to the, to the neighbors, which right. they're allowed to go on, but he's not. I think both people are, I just like, the, I didn't buy any of it. I think any of it was funny. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. But uh, I'm glad that uh, you enjoy it, Joe. I love it. I mean, I think you have to appreciate it. Uh, What's wrong with the tree your, he brings? It's you too have to big. Make up your own terms. Well, it's not decorated correctly. It's not her decoration. Well, she's not done with it yet. She. Yeah. It's. Uh, she says this tree sucks. I'm like, you brought back fish. <laughs> well, he did a better <laughs> job than that. But he also forgot the ham the first time, I believe. So. That was a, a big problem. Hickory honey ham. Yeah. yeah. When he when he when she made him go to the store in the rain, you mean? Yes. Uh, he was he was no it wasn't white chocolate. Oh, white chocolate and some kind of nut. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I think it was the white chocolate that he came back. And yes, didn't have. that's right. And Which she was, was a just lie. like, well, go back and get it again. And I have a. And that was Santa with the umbrella. Yeah. I have a, uh, another note here that is just go mm. in the damn store yourself, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. There's also no way that like the tanning people are like, okay, so go ahead and get into the bikinis and wait out here yeah. in the open area, and then you can come back, and yeah. I'll show you where it An- is. Another costume note. I do like how um, he's wearing the Hawaiian right, shirt under. So, yeah. Right, so half the movie takes place on one day, Christmas Eve, and it starts with them getting ready for the cruise, and he puts on this Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And then once their daughter calls and says, I'm bringing my uh, sudden fiancé oh, we'll home, talk which about they really have too, no yeah. problem with, um, he he keeps the Hawaiian shirt on and just puts a sweater on top of it, and he wears it the whole day. And it's a nice little nod to his uh, his conflict. Uh, I also love that they, they made everyone in the neighborhood buy like a $400 frosty to put on their roof. Right, you wonder what the neighborhood association rules yeah. are. Uh, they're pretty, they're pretty strict. Cause it seems like he's breaking them at this point. If like, no. if, if, if they, if everyone has the same one, yeah. then you, it's, there must be a rule that you have to put it up or else you're getting some kind of fine or something. Well, that's the thing is that it's, it's, you don't even get a fine. That's again, what the movie is about is like the soft power of, your neighbors and the sure. people around you where 
it's not a rule. It's Vic Frohmeyer coming over to your house and loitering in your lawn and putting his hands on his hip and going, Luther, I notice Frosty isn't up. What's going on this year? Um, so it's easier to just get along and go along, and that's uh, that's where they end up. They really don't learn a valuable lesson. Um, no, they decide to do the cruise next year at the end of the movie. They do, she does flash the <laughs> option of doing it next year. <laughs> at the end of the movie, and it's that, like, oh, let's yeah, do this again. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. This was awful. <laughs> and it is also funny that, um, and we kind of just mentioned it, that this uh, ha- this holiday party completely overshadows their daughter's engagement, yeah. which barely gets a second word. For like, he's known her for like two weeks. She's been gone. I guess six weeks. They it, met before. They yeah. met before. Oh right. I and did. Then... I did appreciate <laughs> the way that they said, you know, we were friends in college. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now I've realized that I love him. But it wasn't just a. Uh, what was the, What was the fucking uh, the movie with the uh, George Clooney and Julia Roberts? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Ticket to Paradise. Yeah, it wasn't just a Ticket to Paradise where she's like, oh, you're cute and ethnic. Let's get married. That is a line from the movie. George Clooney yeah. is cute yeah. and ethnic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They wrote that in. Wow. I, so that that was... They don't pause their video game, those children. Just so you know. That's a stuntman. Um, Tim Allen's a stuntman? No, no. That was the 1,000% not Tim Allen, and it didn't even look like him. Uh, I... I don't know. Um, yeah, the the daughter thing is interesting, and I get the like the parents thing of like they think she'll freak out if they don't have everything that she wants. Yeah, uh, it would be funny if she like forgot something and she like threw a fit. Yeah, she's actually a very spoiled Midwestern yeah. girl. Yeah. So but Santa it, brings the ham. It doesn't get cooked. No, no it's sitting. No. He brings it to the he brings it to the but, other people, and they say, "I don't eat pork," and she's gonna die. So why is this here? And he's like, "Oh shit, you're right." But it is being served. When they're like when they're putting food on their plates at the party, is that true? Yeah. She, so did they, he? They well, remark he, on the ham. Well, he didn't bring it back because he may have brought it back. And Tim out. No, he turned around and did the. Look at this terrible CGI when he falls off the thing. I just, I, I just, it's needless. It's you don't need it anyway. Awesome. You could have destroyed a real frosty. Christopher Nolan would have made a real frosty, <laughs> and he would have zoomed in on it and blown it up. And that's why he should have directed Christmas with the Cranks. I get it. All right. Uh, anything else about this movie? No? Um, she must be having a good day. She's out of the house in that scene. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, you know, it's it's a gem. Your, your holidays should be more thoughtful than... Um, it's a gem. It's a gem. Your holiday viewing should be more thoughtful than just... Uh, uh, saccharine, uh, mushy, gushy, uh, holiday crap, challenge yourself, um, watch something that is a, a difficult viewing experience. And that is uh, Christmas with the cranks. Wow. A great option. <laughs> wow. A great option. And you think this is camp? Um, uh, I don't think it is intended <laughs> to be anything. I, I think it is intended. If you told Joe Roth, this was camp, he'd go, what are you talking about? I, he actually would. Cause he, he would just not know what you're talking about, but does not remember. Making the movie. No, no, no. It is intended to be in the same vein as like jingle all the way, which is a very similar movie conceptually about the evils of Christmas as yes. like a capital yeah. holiday and a movie that I do uh, admit have nostalgia for. That is right, like one where right. I, that one is an e- easier to digest yeah. because it is uh, even like the, you know, um, LOL reading of it as like a movie about 
the evils of capitalism yeah. is easier to get along with because the movie is made much more competently. And yeah, it, it is directly made for children, which it is makes, made for children, which gives yes. you more leniency to do right, stupid right. things. And, and that's the other, that's the other piece of Christmas with the cranks. that's so interesting. It's so that, horny. Who, well, it is horny. <laughs> Is that uh, well? So is uh, so is um, that you know, all the way. way. That's true. Yeah. Put yeah. that cookie down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil Hartman is. What's the neighbor? Who plays the Phil Hartman? Phil Hartman. Yeah. Which is another thing. Chris's of the Cranks yeah. does not have is Phil Hartman. Right. Um. Yeah. And like Jamie. And he's yeah. like my dad. Yeah. It's like obviously it's your dad. But what's interesting about most of these holiday movies is that they all have a core audience and. That is children to some degree, yeah. and then the family is tacked on. Christmas with the Cranks, at, you know, by virtue of I think being a John Grisham book, is like who is this for? It is absolutely right. yeah. not for children because most Christmas movies are for the family. Yeah. This has no children in it. No children. It has one child, and Tim Allen d- kills him. He throws him into a yeah, reindeer and tackles him, and and makes him do a crime and. <laughs> And then and that kid lets a murderer into the house. But uh, there's no children. And that is true. Like, why are children are watching this and going like, that's funny. These old people are trying to do something but for themselves. But that's what's so interesting yeah, about gonna it. going to die. That yeah. woman's going to die. Yeah. But that's what's so interesting about it is it because it is ostensibly for adults, it has the opportunity to be more honest and... Like, again, the subtext kind of gets there where it's like, isn't all this holiday stuff stupid? Shouldn't you save your money, get out of this, and do something that you actually enjoy right. instead of something you're forced to do? But also by virtue of being a holiday movie that has to play on, like, you know, cable, it can't actually believe that stuff, so it has to lean away from it at the last moment. So, uh, yeah, it's in a very, a very funny position. I liked when... Shortly after they agreed to go on the cruise, uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis was like, "Well, we're still going to make our annual donation to charity, right?" And the church was like, "Fuck them kids." The church, the charity, and the church. Yeah, and I'm just like, "Why is why is that part of it?" (laughs) Yeah, you're still you're still saving three thousand dollars. Nah, you come out ahead. We're paying for next year's cruise. Yeah, you don't have to put up Frosty. I I support. Why do they spend so much money? All they really have to buy is a tree and food and presents, right? But like, they have all the ornaments. They have the decorations. I, b- I believe one of the line items he cited was ornament repair. Yeah. So you know. Why are they so <laughs> haphazard with their ornaments? They're like decorating the tree by tossing them across a room. Like, I there's there's just there's so many of them. Their storage options are limited. They're kind of crammed on top. But that's of each another thi- that's another thing that like, you know, it's, the amount of money they're spending is like silly. But uh, but of course they're meant to be a silly Christmas family. But that is another note that is like only really comprehensible from an adult perspective is like, look how much money we're wasting. Yeah. And then credit to the movie that they actually put a dollar amount on it. It's yeah. not like, oh, can't afford Christmas this year. It's Christmas costs us $6,000 a yeah. year. Uh, again, a thing that like you couldn't sit down and, or it would make no sense sitting down and watching to your with your nine-year-old unless you're trying to tell her like, See how much this stupid right. shit costs you. So it, it, it at some point is meant to be a movie or should be a movie that adults have fun with sitting around and like commiserating about being like, ah, ha, ha, this is so dumb. But again, like the filmmaking and the writing is so it, it never really um, 
leans enough into that. It never really commits to doing it. Um, and again, because it has to be a movie about conformity at the end, it can't actually say what it, it it's kind of set up to say. Yeah, I see. I see all those ideas you're dredging up here, but I don't. I don't think really anyone involved except <laughs> the dredge except report with Jamie Joe. Lee Curtis and Dan Aykroyd was able to. I don't disagree, what, but what so, I don't disagree, but sometimes it's just what you make out of it. I, you know, sure. I look in the fridge sometimes and there's nothing good to eat, so I just gotta you know make a big mess of something. Sure. And, uh, Got to eat it. And then talk about how good a dinner it was. Well, I talk about, you know, it wasn't that bad. The, the, <laughs> the eggs weren't rotten, at least. Like by, that, by that implication, you mean that, like, Tim Allen sucks, Jamie Lee Curtis sucks, the director sucks, the book sucks, the script sucks, Dan Aykroyd sucks, and look what they did with <laughs> all that yeah. shit. They, Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't suck. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's funny. And uh, they, they had um, an opportunity to do something... Um, a lot more fun uh, and be a downer Christmas movie um, and ex- kind of do like we're the movie that exposes Christmas for being stupid. And it, I think if they had committed more to it, it would have been an actual kind of cult classic movie that people laughed at and said, like, let's watch that one and hate on Christmas. But they, they, they didn't get there. I think the, the guy who uh, the kid from next door, that adult man in the hat, that's uh, that guy from It's Always Sunny, who always Cricket? gets yeah. Interesting. Watch, watch. Let me see if I can get a background shot while we finish this up. You cut to the back. Hold on. Yeah. But I, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that could him. be him. That's definitely him. Um, just another. Uh, David Hornsby. F- yeah, that's definitely well, him. Fun trivia. At, if you also looked, um. In one of these scenes, uh, uh, Chicago guy Matt, um, the guy, the um, press guy from Veep, um, Walsh, Matt, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he's in this as well. Is he? He's in one scene um, in the crowd outside their house. Yeah. I also think the movie's edited like shit. That that the editing, especially oh, yeah. here, where he just goes, "What are these?" and then he does like four Is jokes about this. Is illegal? Yeah. And she hits him and doesn't answer his question, and she keeps holding up like mistletoe, and he doesn't respond. I just like it's so, and also what's with the scene you know, talking about where like cuts to the car and it's doing like a bunch of like do 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 like fl- like cuts. It'll happen in a few minutes anyway. It's fine. It's just edited poorly. Um. All right. Out of four, uh, uh, honey hams. Oh yeah, that's 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 a good one. What are we giving? Uh, watch this. Hickory. Kiss me. Kiss me. Kiss me. Kiss me. <laughs> four shots of her going kiss me. Anyway, um, what uh, out of four? What is the there's two, three words. It's a hickory honey. Hickory. Ham. Thank you. Hickory honey ham. What are we giving Chris with the cranks? I'll start with Joe. Um, on my scale of um, <laughs> merely by the fact that um, I enjoy talking about Christmas with the Cranks so much. I, I have to give it um, two and a half uh, hickory honey hams. The semi ran over one of them. Fantastic. That's, that's the half, half one. one. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Noah? Uh, never say hickory honey ham again. Uh, Why? Uh, that's, uh, that's just... Uh, oh, that's she what she said, says. She yeah, said sure, that. of course. Uh, yeah. 
I, th- I think it's I think it's just a one for me. I wish I I wish I had seen the Christmas with the cranks that <laughs> Joe through seen. Joe's eyes. Uh, <laughs> maybe next time I'll be able to view it with a more I critical mean, yeah. uh, guy from Twittery lens. That's right. You got to bring something to it to make it through it. This gets a uh, a smashed ham from me, meaning a half of a ham. You got the other half of Joe's <laughs> ham. <laughs> I picked it up and and this. It I picked it up and ate road. it and. Uh, it, look, look at this. It's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> the thing is, it's not... <laughs> what is going on? What is going on? <laughs> it's not even different shots that it's cutting. No! It's, it's just, just... It's two shots that are in motion that it's cutting, like... It's the same point. It's not forth. even yeah. like we're using that split second and then jumping a little bit forward in the next shot of that same scene. We go right back in time yeah, to when the last was, cut was made. It's anyway. very... Very that scene from Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> sure. Uh, which one? <laughs> Got him. All right. Uh, Oscar winning. Um, Joe, thanks for being here. We'll see you. We'll see you later. Well, let's end the podcast. Do you have uh, anything to prom- uh, not from you? Don't I know? Uh, recommend Noah. Uh, yeah, my recommendation this week will be Godzilla minus one, uh, which is just incredible. Uh, much much. Uh, equally as thematic as Christmas with the Cranks, I'll say. Whoa. But uh, if you thought that ham being destroyed by a semi was uh, <laughs> <laughs> was fun effect, yeah, that's you ain't seen nothing in, yet. You're in for a treat. If you were stunned by the destruction of that ham, all right, Joe. Anything to recommend for the people to watch this week or weekend? Um, well, I think I've done a pretty good job making the case for Christmas with the Cranks. You could recommend Christmas with the Cranks. So, it's on Prime. I was, yeah, it, yeah, it's also on. It's also AMC on ABC. Plus. AMC. Yeah, I spent. Yeah. Uh, I spent Is that where you watched it? Mm-hmm. I spent a little while thinking that it was on Disney Plus, and I oh. kept searching. Like I kept typing in Christmas. No, with no Crank. No. Kate, Katie was sitting there, just being like, "Why don't you just type Crank?" Just another <laughs> another uh, example yeah. of bad editing. And then it turned effects. out that it was not there. Uh, yeah, yeah I think it, I think it would be um, uh, wrong of me to recommend anything about this. All right, yeah, try and watch it. Uh, I'll say the holdovers. Yeah, man. which is a wonderful Christmas movie. Yeah, man. It's out in theaters, so go see that. Um, all right, no, I'll plug us up. All right, you can find us at what's in the box We are on Twitter at witboxoffice, which is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Drukey. I'm Brenda Serber, D A C U R B E R. It's also my Instagram handle or whatever letterbox. Uh, of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Spotify. We are on uh, Apple Podcasts. We are probably we're not on Disney Plus, much like Christmas with the Cranks, but maybe we're on Prime. All right, next week, Wonka's coming out. So we'll see how that does. I expect big things. Um, Plus, Poor Things uh, expands, so that'll be fun. Continues its Um, pursuit of $40 million. Hey, Joe, thanks for being here. We love you with all our hearts, and we'll see you in a week or whatever. You're coming back, okay? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, man. We're offering back... A film We're to choosing you. something based oh, on the right. themes of this movie to oh, match wow. it. Okay, interesting. And I okay. think we know what it is, but we haven't locked it in 100% yeah. yet. So okay. stay tuned. That's very exciting. And we very love you. Exciting. We do, yeah. Okay. We love you, Joe. <laughs> okay. Joe, Joe, do you love us? Have we ended the podcast yet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn, I thought he'd say it off air. All right, we'll see you next time. Uh, this has been What's in the Box Office. I've been your host, Brian. And I've been your host, Noah. Until then, go see a movie. <laughs>